Welcome back to Chewing It Over. I'm Jack Chew. Your daily, well, weekdays we go daily at 12.30 till 1 o'clock on your lunch break to sort of discuss whatever's topical at the time, usually MSK and education and, and all things uh, in that space, but often current affairs or whatever's emerging that we think is topical and interesting. It's going fairly well at the moment. We stream across various different channels. If you Wherever you're tuning in, thanks for joining. I'm always paranoid in the first couple of minutes that it's not working. I've not took a phone on, etc. So always a uh, massive thanks to whoever sends the first comment, wherever it is you find us. So please do let me know if you can hear me loud and clear. And probably about 100 episodes in, I'll feel more comfortable and not always have to do this. But that's my usual opening gambit. Um, I've been joined today by Adam Meekins. If you've not heard of Adam Meekins, where have you been? You've been under a rock. He's Marmite to many, uh, but a good friend of mine. Uh, and one that I'm, I'm willing to, I still, still at this point, admit to being a good friend of mine. He's someone that's been on on, on various uh, various platforms of, of physio matters. We did the million third download episode with him uh, in his in his home pub and stuff, and we sort of chewed it over there uh, for for at length. And so we've got, we're well well versed in in having back and forth both publicly and privately. Now, one of the things that we want, I wanted to talk to him about recently he, he, he has many a time he likes to frame things and i call it a rant because he called it a rant is that he wanted to go off on one about marketing consultants and uh, and sort of talking a bit about uh, the coaches and stuff that he's uh, probably like me he's probably gets the target marketing uh, from them uh, and and so it's that side of things that i think is interesting because i've, I've noticed them and what i might roll my eyes at he rants at and i love that because you know fundamentally it could well be that there's there's actually a lot of agreement there but for some reason i've decided not to go at it so it'll be interesting but there also might be some distinctions between oppositions that are worth talking through as well so neither me or adam are, are ones for just nodding along and waving each other's ideas through if we do disagree so let's chew it over and discuss it and hopefully he's backstage hopefully i can just bring him in from the lobby and we can have a chat about it so let's see adam are you there can you hear us I can hear you, pal. How you doing, buddy? Brilliant. Not so bad. It's not brought you up on my screen for some reason, but hopefully um, we should get you side by side. I don't know why it's not. There we go. There Is that working? Go. Yeah, I've got you now. Nice you're, one. To, you're to the left Thank of me, you. mate. You're not, you're not my right-hand man. You're my left-hand man. <laughs> nice one. Right. Well, let me uh, let me make sure this is all working. It looks like my signal's a little bit glitchy, so if I go off there, you've got to just wing it, right? You've just got all to right. go off on one and try not to burn the whole place down. Well, I'm very impressed that you're doing this every lunchtime, mate. Is this your new um, diet routine that you've decided to do to try and get rid of your dad bod? Instead of having slim fast, you could do in talk fast. You just sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice your lunch hour or lunch half hour during patients in clinic just to talk shit online for a bit. Is that is that it's your working, new uh, idea? It's working. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, I don't have any time for lunch and therefore I can't keep eating. So, yeah, but yeah I am, I am uh, starting to. My big thing that I turned a corner on the other week, about, about six weeks ago, it was a threshold where I'd stopped getting fatter. So just plateauing <laughs> was a massive celebration. So I you hit critical pay. mass. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, just topped out. <laughs> topped out on what i can do this frame yes well thanks for that yeah um but no that the uh it's working quite well actually and it just gives me a point i think what weirdly it tidies things up so i don't know if you'd agree with this but sometimes it's you get sucked in especially when you've got a bit of a, a following or there's an expectation or people even criticize you for not having passed comment on a certain thing it was quite useful for me to be able to instead of getting into the weeds on various different platforms i could say that's interesting i'll talk about that tomorrow or would you like to come on the show to discuss that tomorrow and it actually tidies things up so i'm trying to contain in half an hour what was otherwise bleeding into other parts of my my diary um yeah. which i just couldn't that sort of inefficiency so weirdly um doing it on a regular is actually helpful but we can get to get into stuff like this
this that otherwise me and you might have passed a few texts about or, or got into on Twitter, this seems like a more appropriate forum. What, what is it you were ranting about specifically? Yeah, well, just as you said, mate, it's uh, it's these targeted ads, you know, the old uh, algorithms that go around on social media that, you know, I don't know how it does it because I don't click on these links. But, you know, I just start to get more and more of these targeted campaigns of certain marketing coaches, healthcare, physio, they, they brand themselves as physio, healthcare, marketing specialists. And there's these ads that pop up with some guy, normally with a speech impediment, who claims to be able to, you know, maximize uh, incomes and profits for physiotherapy private practices. And and I just find the way that they go about it and the way that they talk about it and the way that they come across in these ads just makes my screen, skin crawl. It, it just absolutely makes my teeth fur up and I just want to pull something out and scream at something because I'm like, this is not how to advertise healthcare. This, it's this... I find this merging of a service industry and a healthcare profession. And it, and it, it just, I think some of these individuals are just going about it the wrong way. Uh, and as I said in my post, when I had this rant, you know, I do think there is a need for physiotherapists to be able to market themselves and advertise themselves. Absolutely. And, and I do think a lot of physios and a lot of healthcare professionals need some assistance and help in that to find and navigate an ethical moral way of being able to promote what they do to the general public to help gain uh, patients that they think can treat in a sensible, rational, ethical way. So I don't think, you know, I'm, I'm ranting against marketing or advertising in healthcare at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's just it's just the way that some of these marketing gurus and professionals and coaches or whatever you want to call them mm. go about it. When they start talking about patient retention, Oh, word is, it's an evil word, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I, I think that word in healthcare retention, retaining patients, it, it's evil. It's just there's there's absolutely no excuse to use that word in any sentence in healthcare at all. I need to retain you. You're a, you're my patient now. Yeah, selling, selling, you're associating that with selling sickness, as often I, I describe it, whereby if someone's inferring a need and, and creating some sort of low-level dependency uh, to that that service or person or, or product. I've got some questions coming in, which we will definitely visit. For example, Philippa on, on LinkedIn has tuned in saying, how do you recommend we do it? Um, and I think that that's something we definitely want to come to. So I want to make sure that we visit that and visit some of those comments and questions. But because it typically distracts me not in a good way, um, I'm going to just hide the comments from me for a second and we're going to get stuck in. But I just want to say that we will try and visit some of that because I think it's it's important. And I don't think either of us would be averse to that side of it. It's not as if we're just dragging something down and saying that it's no, there's no place for it. It sounds like you're actually carving out a space for what you think is marketing and promotion, but it's just the you're considering a lot of what you're seeing to be unethical. Now, let's zoom in on that retention thing then. Is, is it that you're... I can understand the word retention would still apply to a patient that returns to me two years later with a different type of injury that they've picked up on a rugby pitch. But it would also be that then you're rightly, I think, associating retention to being that to retake to, to keep someone on your books within an episode of care or for them to be sort of maintained or managed longer term. And that is a relevant distinction there. Are you frustrated by both kinds of that or is it just the latter? 
No, it's just the latter, mate. So I, I've got absolutely no problem with, you know, building up a relationship with an individual who you've seen for an episode of care who wants to return to you because they've had a very good experience of your management and treatment of that particular episode. What I am ranting against is is when they are maximizing retention per episode. And that's, the, what, that's what I see in these adverts is these individuals are saying, you know, when you have somebody walking in, how can you maximize that person's current situation to get the most out of it and that just absolutely as i say winds me up and makes my teeth itch so no i've got no problems with retention from a point of view you've you've done something really well with an individual they've gone away for x amount of time and they want to return to you because of a successful experience before it's when you're seeing somebody for one episode of care and you are squeezing and crushing and rinsing as much as you can out of that individual uh, to maximize your profits as a healthcare professional. That's the bit that I really hate. And that's the retention that I don't like. What I've seen as well is, I mean, there's nothing there that I want to push back on at all. It's a massive bugbear of mine. And one of the reasons why I thought it'd be smart for us to discuss it. I suppose one of the things that I hear, if I tried to sort of steal man their argument and not make it as strong as I can, is that they often, um, especially if they're not, associated to the industry necessarily they just work within it as a consultant so they're not a health professional that's then learned in that direction they're often saying look i'm not here to tell you as to how to treat them it's just i hear from i hear from my clients that they uh they have so much to give the population and that, that if they if they know of a if they know of a shoe that that patient should be wearing then why are you not selling them that shoe now inherent to that which is what's interesting is that it's because of the presuppositions that have occurred whereby they're assuming that there are products gadgets gizmos that there is um you know why are you not seeing them twice a week you've got so much you could give it's that there's an underlying assumption of the style of care that seems to if you don't get that right like if we can't educate them on a an appropriate rehab centric self-efficacy model of care i can so understand why downstream of if that isn't there then downstream of it if you associate yourself as being you know it's if the patient's seeing me daily, if they're willing to pay for it or if they want these gadgets and gizmos, there's no problem. Yeah, no, but the, the, the point is, is you decide how often to see a patient based on your clinical reasoning, not based on some artificial marketing guru's idea of what they think is optimal optimization or utilization. So, you know, there are some patients that I would recommend seeing two or three times a week for an extended period of time because their situation, their current environment, their lack of support from other areas demand and clinically reason for you that this person needs to come in two, three times a week and be seen for uh, six, 12 weeks to get going, to help them through this current situation, to have lots of discussion and education over some sticky beliefs, to try and help create some behavioral change then absolutely, you are looking to maximize your treatment with that individual and you are probably going to front load a lot of that at the beginning. But that's based on your clinical reason. It's not based on some shitty financial marketing figure that some gurus made. But then there, conversely, there are some individuals who come in that just need one appointment. They just need a bit of advice and education. They just need a bit of reassurance. They just need some clarification around something they're not sure about. Job done. So when they say to me, and I've been in, in clinics like this, they say to me, Every patient you've got to see 6.73 times. You know, they give you this artificial sales figure. And I'm like, that doesn't work. 
because there are some patients where I, I have to see 30, 40, 50 times, or I think I need to see them 30, 40, 50 times. And then there's patients that I just need to see once. So if I start assuming that everybody's going to be seen the same, I am not, I'm not working as a healthcare professional because I'm not clinically reasoned. I'm treating everybody with the same brush and that's not mm. how patients present. So, so let's talk again, about I think it's reasoning. So the clinical, absolutely, right? And you know, you know massive champion of, of clinical reasoning and critical reasoning, as I've talked to you about before, where you're making sure you're putting a sceptical lens through it. And, and I think what I want to know here is that the sleight of hand that I see happen is that because they're saying that they're informing their clinical reasoning with some models of care and styles of care and, and assumptions of the evidence or what have you, that, that that's what presupposes it. So there are some that are putting it through a sales filter and they're recognizing that, right, what could, how can this episode of care maximize profit? Granted. But I think there's a lot, I personally feel there's a larger section that part of what is informing their clinical reasoning is a dated structural biomechanical um, model of care, which also infers that there's more direct influence we can have on, say, tissue uh, characteristics, tissue healing, etc. That means that even that I speak to people that, that they don't even they've not even got the the sales or the numbers in the, in mind. They just feel that well, when I'm seeing someone, regardless of what it's for, and I see that they're overpronating, why on earth am I not? cross-selling them an orthotic right they're not and, and even then they might say even if it's not me that sells it them i want to recommend it because that's what they need or that why would i not see them later that week for some acupuncture for, for pain relief because they're, they're suffering it's that i suppose i'm not therefore buying them an excuse because but i'm just meaning that actually i think a lot of these issues are upstream of the sales i, I think there's a lot of health professionals that aren't as unscrupulous as sometimes you describe no, I'm, I'm I'm not casting aspersions on anybody doing this maliciously. You're right. There are, there, and again, this word tends to upset a lot of people. There are a lot of ignorant clinicians out there who do things with best intentions at heart that do think that, you know, these biomechanical devices, gadgets and gimmicks genuinely do really help people and are worth the money and the costs and everything to the patient. But that's due to their ignorance. That's due to their lack of lack of understanding. I don't think it's malicious. I just think it's ignorant. That's all. So, uh, yeah, I, I understand exactly what you're saying there, Jack, that there are some clinicians out there that do do a lot of extra stuff that is not necessary or needed and sell things to patients that, again, that are not necessarily needed. But that is, as I say, that's an ignorance issue. That's not a maliciousness issue, which is what I I almost see these gurus, these marketing uh, people are are more malicious in the way that they're trying because I think they genuinely know that they need to you know maximize profits, and the way they do that is by looking for any option and avenue and treatment. And and for me, as I say, trying to maliciously go out and rinse and squeeze things out of patients. When you're probably thinking, I don't think this is doing much. I don't think this is necessary. I don't think this is really needed. But, you know, I'll still sell this foam roller at a 25% markup. That's the other thing that really pisses me off is these cross sales that normally happen. Patients can go and find the things that they get sold to by another clinician at a cheaper price elsewhere. So there's always this markup as well. And that winds me up. But that's another issue. But, yeah, there's. I think, again, there's the difference between you know, ignorance and, and genuinely thinking you are helping and doing the best versus uh, malicious profiteering. Yeah, I think and I do agree. I think 
just make sure that we cover this off before we then get stuck into what is, you know, what would we recommend and what is ethical sales in, in this space or marketing. But before we do that, I just want to see what do you feel, have you got a way in which you can articulate what it is about this that would be fine in other areas or industries, but in healthcare is unethical. Um, and so in instances whereby um, if someone walks into a, a shop and there are certain things there or the, the, the whole process of someone, say, online shopping that's designed to potentially tempt them into other things. You know, I feel personally that that's certainly more ethical than it is in healthcare. But what is it about healthcare that you feel should be held to a different standard? Because, again, I think it's down to the vulnerability of your customer. And that's the other thing is that our patients are not customers you know they're not mm. clients they're patients and that's yeah. the big difference is that the, you know at the end of the day this individual coming to see us is coming to see us because of a need and that need then leads them to have some vulnerabilities which means that we could take advantage of that now in another service industry environment they are a customer they have a need but that need is not an essential need it's normally a uh, a nicety it's a luxury and therefore yeah there is room there to look to cross sale and you know market things and everything along those lines but i think the biggest issue and the difference there is we're dealing not with customers we're dealing with patients yeah i think one of the things regardless of what corner of the industry you're in or what sector is it if your bosses or your boss's boss starts telling you to refer to people as service users you know that they're dehumanizing their vulnerability and you definitely need to be keeping an eye on that and recognizing the, the connotations that that gives so let's get stuck in then what we would recommend because it's great because this is a circumstance where people might want to argue that we would be um being too nihilistic and saying no it's actually unethical to even market yourself or to self-promote in any which way and i think that fundamentally because of what you're describing being rotten in the industry and, and i do agree i think that it almost means that those that are creating ethical care models and that are personalizing and individualizing care in a, in a really sensible evidence-informed manner that, that really grapples with the challenges that we all face in industry they need to make that they're competing with the unscrupulous at least appropriately and so if they were to be nihilistic and perceive that we're saying actually it's unethical to do any of that that's going to be unfortunately fall, fall away so what would what are your sort of top tips as to what you think not only are appropriate but also that that feel like a really sensible way to push back yes it it is a really tricky environment especially currently now because of the noise and it's really hard to be heard and to be seen because there's so much information available to people on so many different platforms. So yeah, I, I totally empathize with any ethical, rational healthcare clinician who is trying to be seen and heard because they are promoting a, you know, a, a, a sensible, honest way, a moral way of treating people. But you know, the shyster down the road who has a gazillion more followers because they post sexy stuff you know with all the bells and whistles and gadgets and gimmicks around it is getting more attention so it's it's very tricky is the answer and i don't think i've got any you know real golden tips you know all i can say is i think you have to be consistent with your message you have to be honest and genuine in what you are trying to do which is help people return back to function and i think the biggest thing is is use 
patient testimonials. Now, again, I've sort of changed my mind on this because I used to think patient testimonials were really cheesy and horrible. And I thought 90, and I still probably do, I think 90% of them made up. But I do think, you know, actually demonstrating to people with a little video clip of what you do with another patient with their consent, and you can get that individual then to, you know, maybe come on camera and do a little sound bite that says, you know, this problem that I've had for years. I saw Jack and within six sessions, he was a miracle worker and he got to it with no fuss, no explained it really quickly and clearly. That sort of stuff, I think, is 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 gold in the marketing industry for an ethical, rational healthcare clinician. So I think, you know, your, your biggest advertisers are your patients. So I think there's a role there for trying to use them in the social media world. Yeah, yeah, using that real world sort of word of mouth experience, but then putting that as the as the broadcast piece of content rather than sales Absolutely. and yeah. and do what you do with all the sexy graphics as well because that draws attention. I'm really impressed with your graphics, by the way, mate. I'm gonna oh, have to take leave thank that you very much. Thank you. Don't love that. I'll uh, send the check in the post. Um, I'll, I'll clip that, you see, and use it as my social media content, shall I? Um, no, I think that that's something that I've I've come to realise. I was a bit of a puritan early days, where especially yeah, when we were too. doing the long form stuff into professionally it was just like you know that the conversations are especially cool it was um fairly innovative in the space whereby we, we were just sort of saying that the conversation is everything and that essentially all the all the trimmings aren't really appropriate because you, you distracts from the core message but realistically it's something that you know providing appropriate entertainment and to make it something that is as palatable and to make sure that then you're using some of the dressing that you're the more unscrupulous folk are using but then actually as long as the the sort of meter is is quality and i think that that is where we've ended up is to appropriately dress things up not as a means of clickbait or not as a means of trying to spin things but also just to to try and make sure that these that the, the the good messages aren't necessarily drowned out. Evie's made a really good point about. Can I just ask, can I before I ask Evie's question? Can I just answer David Zalek's question that's just come up first? Because he's just yeah. asked how 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 or why can you say patient testimonials are made up? Because normally when you see them are just written text. So somebody has said Mrs M, you know whoever that is. So it's an anonymous thing. It's somebody's on somebody's web page. I've had a wonderful experience. Jack was the best thing ever. He's got hands like Jesus. And I'm like, that's just somebody's text that could simply be made up. So, And I think when I see these sort of testimonials, which are just written testimonials, that's my suspicion, critical rating going, eh, is that really a testimonial or is that somebody just made that up? Yeah, well, it'd be, it'd be fascinating. I mean, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a bold claim that's unprovable if we were to say that most of them are, all of them are. But then mm. similarly, it'd be what a weird world if, if people weren't tempted to. If you're going to have that, then why mm. wouldn't you? Be, you know, it's, well, a patient sort of maybe said that about me once at a time, so I'll just <laughs> give them a myth or X or whatever. And, and so, yeah, fundamentally... Yeah, polishing why, why around the edges, yeah. You've, you'd have to, have, you have to have a really, uh, a fairly, uh, I don't know, a blinkered view of human nature if you think that people wouldn't be tempted to at least um, fudge the books a little bit in that direction, whereas something a bit more verifiable, like you say. I mean, we've, it's, it's pretty time-consuming. I remember, our, fortunately, we had, an, we had an intern last summer called Amelia who still works on, on the physiomatter side, I think, but she came into the clinic and stuff, and she built this brilliant uh, case study sort of testimonial piece video for one of our patients. And it's good because it was sort of the, the style of practice and the style of care came through in the story. You know, it was clear that we hadn't, uh, that jumped in. And, and this is a lady that had been coming in 
fairly regularly you know we'd work with her over an extended period of time who had very different beliefs when she left and when she came in and fortunately in many ways i've not seen her since you know because she's clearly doing i hope doing well might be on a bed twice a week in uh, manipulation i don't know but generally speaking it seemed that she rehabilitated many parts of her life that she was happy with and but, right. but it took a lot of it took a lot of work to yeah. produce produce that content not only as well to deliver that style of care and to not succumb to what she came in expecting the first time uh, that she'd had before so yeah it's not without its challenge but no i do i do agree they can be really powerful things there's some lovely comments coming in i don't think we're going to be able to get to them all um one of the things that, that i noticed is that philippa who asked the question how would you recommend we do it which hopefully we've visited at least one answer to that she also then followed up saying chiropractors do it that is an area in which Cairo's, um, and, and you know, I think me and you have probably have a similar opinion there, whereby I'd, I'd much rather someone saw a good Cairo than a shit physio. But generally speaking, the Cairo model of someone um, having a, a set of block sessions or having maintenance work in, in a structural way or inferred that it's a structural change, they are some of the worst offenders, I would argue, in that direction. Yeah, again, I don't want to be too profession centric or abusive, but yeah, you're right. I think, you know, Cairo's, unfortunately, I have uh, probably more of this sort of way of practicing than other uh, professions, but I have seen a few physio places do it as well, selling packages of care. Mm. It Based came up on, on Twitter, I think, the other day. That yeah, yeah. package has been, it's the because re- you'd mentioned the fact that there are circumstances you can think of whereby you might see someone a lot of, you know, plenty yeah. of, of sessions, but. Would you have so when you mentioned that there's a patient that you might have seen fifty times, but would you have would you have had them buy a block of fifty? No, because you don't. You, although you've got that reason, it, it, it's a it's a changeable situation, as you know. You know people's presentations, their prognoses, their outcomes are very flexible and changeable. So you don't actually know what's going to happen in two three months. You can have a, a suspicion but you don't actually know what's going to happen. So if you get somebody to sign up for those two to three months and best outcome is they don't need it, I mean, I suppose if you have a refund policy, then it's okay. But, you know, for me, I think it's, it's it really needs to be on an ad hoc basis, you know, based on your clinical reasoning. Mm. Yeah, we've had a couple of comments that are not dissimilar, really, where, and we've, again, I've heard plenty of stories like this where, competitions who can sell the most add-ons bands and balls and rollers and things like that so there'd be an internal conversation oh look at that look, you went for the baby oh, cuteness God. last time i'm going to go for the pack cuteness <laughs> this time i'm going to go for the kitty i forgot yeah well that's because you stood me up we were meant to do this on tuesday but then you stood me up until now it, and, and i've heard a rumor it was because you had a meeting with your marketing coach is that <laughs> is that why is that why you stood me up yeah yeah you're not far from the truth there mate i, I had a meeting <laughs> had a meeting with a specialist <laughs> okay um evie's mentioned as well uh not dissimilar to matt's comment that she worked in a private practice chain where she was told by the owner that the job was to keep patients coming back because new patients don't grow on trees that, now yeah. that's a bit of a i mean it, you must like i do hear about that quite a lot i get a lot of people that sometimes come almost like a soft mentorship question might come into a dm saying how do I, I've had my, this is my fourth private job that I've had whereby I'm expected to comply with the clinic's model of care that just doesn't seem to suit what I feel is ethical care. And they are massively challenged and conflicted because they still need to make a living. Yeah. Yet they are feeling like they're, you know, much like what Evie and Matt have said there, being expected or asked to do things that then just don't sit well with their personal ethics. Do you have a sort of top tip that you give to folk that come to you with that? 
yep, leave that place. I know it's I know it sounds a bit harsh and a bit blunt and a bit direct, but I've been in the same situation as well. I've worked in private practices that had that same approach and uh, very much was, you know, push, uh, pushing me to you know have utilization and retention figures. And basically, I felt like a cheesy double glazing salesman rather than a healthcare professional. So I, I left. You know, I didn't do it immediately. I didn't walk out the door and throw me rattle out the pram. But, you know, I started actively looking for other employment elsewhere and uh, soon realized to say that there are other options out there. That's the beauty with the job we have. You know, you don't you're not anchored for 25 years into one position and one company. Mm. Yeah, so, I, know, I think the ones that because I agree and, and unfortunately you're going to change them, you know, as much as, no. I would say, you know, you know, on, on you know, grand scheme say oh yeah you know go and talk to the managers go and talk to the company directors and you know have a word and discuss it with them they'll be like it ain't gonna if they've got that mentality and they've been in business 10 15 years there is absolutely no bloody way they're going to change it so you're going to have to find somebody else that's got a different ethos yeah i, I do agree and my, my advice isn't dissimilar i think the the people that are most sensitive to are when they say that they've got a they've got a full-time NHS job say in the UK or they're working in the public sector and they are fairly comfortable within that but they want to sort of learn across sectors so they'll work in say sports or they'll work moonlight in the evenings do an evening and a weekend day at a private practice and they want wanting to sort of have a mixed mixed sector career it's those that sometimes come to me and say like I just can't see to that's where I've had four practices and just trying to and the patients are happy sometimes challenging beliefs especially if you're picking up someone else's list but then i'm expected to comply within a model of care that doesn't suit i really feel for them because they you know it's like yes yeah. go elsewhere but it's kind of that it's, it's a okay. fair thing that they're wanting to to do I think it also depends on how bad it is. You know, if we're talking, you know, it's just something that rubs you up the wrong way every now and again, it's a little gray area, then, you know, at the end of the day, there is no such thing as a perfect job, right? There is always, and again, I've, I don't not, I've, you've not worked for me. Let's not get carried away with that statement, but um, <laughs> it's very close to a perfect job. But there's always going to be, you know, something, you know, in every job, even working for yourself, et cetera, where <laughs> you're probably going to have to, you know, just find that middle ground. You're going to have to accept that, you know, what you want can't always be what you get. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I've noticed that our time is up. I've been keeping to time for a change on this rather than waffling for hours, which is what we usually do when we have a beer together, of course. But let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Where can okay. people find you? You're a bit of a wallflower. You're not really on social media much, are you? Where do people find out more from you? Well, funny enough, mate, I've, uh, I've reduced the amount of social media activity oh, because sure. I am growing rather weary of it. So I think I have uh, come off oh, social shit. media quite a lot, but I <laughs> am um, I am on all the social media platforms. <laughs> so uh, you've got a disgruntled employee there, mate. By the way. <laughs> I, know. No, I thought I might <laughs> provoke a revolution internally there. Yeah, perfect job, my ass. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for all your comments. It's been brilliant. And uh, no worries, thanks for your time, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Pleasure. Find the fancy outro, which comes on at massively high volume. Quick, turn your volume down. <laughs>